Hello and welcome back to The Movies, a self-explanatory podcast. My name is Daniel Berrios and today I'm going to be talking about Top Gun Maverick. What do we have here? Yeah, here I thought we were special. Fellas, this here's Bagman. Hangman. Whatever. What the hell kind of mission is this? Everyone here is the best there is. Who the hell are they gonna get to teach us? Captain Pete Maverick Mitchell. Let me be perfectly blunt. You are not my first choice. You are here at the request of Admiral Kazansky, AKA Iceman. He seems to think that you have something left to offer the Navy. What that is, I can't imagine. With all due respect, sir, I'm not a teacher. Just want to manage expectations. What the hell? Good morning, aviators. This is your captain speaking. And we're off. Here we go. In three, two, one. We're going into combat on a level no living pilot's ever seen. Not even him. You think up there you're dead. Believe me. My dad believed in you. I'm not gonna make the same mistake. So I was not coming back from this. Those are your pilots. Anything happens to them. You will never forgive yourself. No turning back now. Happy February, friends. It's been a while since the Oscar nominations came out, and I'm doing my best picture run. I've already covered three of the ten nominees on other episodes, Banshees of Inisherin, Tar, and everything everywhere all at once. So in this little series that I'm going to try to do before the ceremony happens in March, I'm going to just knock my thoughts out on the rest of them. And I didn't want to do just a regular ranking video where it kind of boils down to, I thought the acting was great. I thought the cinematography was awesome. But, you know, the reason this is number 10 is because there needs to be nine films ahead of it. So, blah, 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 here we go. Because I find that with that kind of style of video, what ends up happening is just talking about the movie in terms of Oscars and awards and strategy. It comes off more like a fantasy football draft conversation rather than a conversation about what fucking matters, which is the movies themselves. And especially because with the Academy, there already is this notion of like, oh, the Academy doesn't pick the movies that people know. And this year is going to be a little bit different because, you know, Top Gun Maverick, huge box office. Avatar, huge box office. and But there's still like a mix of stuff like Tar and uh, 
like women talking that nobody has ever really seen. And so where there's this kind of distance from the general public of like, oh, the Academy just nominates highbrow shit that nobody actually ever watches. I feel like that attitude is kind of insulated by the Academy themselves at times. And it becomes a barrier to entry for really kick-ass cool movies. You know, I've noticed that the Academy does not pick my favorite movies. This year might be a different. But uh, the Academy usually doesn't pick my favorite movie as, you know, the stuff that's nominated for Best Picture. But the stuff that it does nominate is stuff that if it wasn't on my radar before, it gets on my radar and it's usually worth watching. So I find the Academy uh, Awards and this whole Oscar season to be a way to really just expand my, you know, library and knowledge of movies which I mean if you're listening to this I hope you're doing too you know I hope that you want to watch as many kick-ass movies as you can even if it's something that you might not have been able to see right away on your AMC you know 24 screen or your you know four screen uh local multi like the mini theaters you know so that's kind of what I'm going to be doing throughout this series is just talking about each Best Picture nominee that I haven't already talked about. It's giving them a regular episode, like a straight old fashion. Just talk about the movie as is. And I'm hoping that by me talking about it just like as regular movies without trying to get it really into the oscar nature of it, that you'll feel more inclined to seek this shit out. But anyway... I do that as a giant prelude to a movie that likely many of you have seen multiple times in theaters before I ever have. What can I fucking say? I'm late. Uh, Top Gun Maverick, directed by Joseph Kaczynski, who also did movies like Tron Legacy, Oblivion. He did this movie called Only the Brave, which also had Miles Teller in it, uh, this firefighting thing. Uh, Miles Teller and Josh Brolin. That movie was actually pretty fucking good. I think it was underrated the year they came out, 2017. That's a solid movie. You should check it out. But uh, this guy uh, teams up again with Tom Cruise as producer. Uh, Tom Cruise producing along with Mission Impossible uh, right-hand man, I guess, at this point. Christopher McQuarrie, the director of those movies, producing. And, you know, Jerry Bruckheimer, producer extraordinaire they're forming like this power rangers megazord to basically shoot a movie that the plot of it is very much like the goal of the movie is the death star trench run and the movie before that is just tom cruise training these new pilots these new batch of Top Gun graduates to do that Death Star trench run. And then the trench run happens, and, you know, that's the end of the movie. And so much of this, to me, at least on a screenwriting standpoint, comes off as just an episode of Top Gun Maverick, the soap opera. If you've seen the first movie... There's definitely some more uh, emotional context that you can drag, especially if you have a really deep emotional attachment to the first one. I don't. I saw it for the first time maybe like a year or so ago, and that movie is just like a meat-headed airplane fighting machismo. It's essentially a sports movie. 
Top Gun's just a sports movie with planes. Both of them are. The first one, like these two pilots, they're going head to head. They're trying to be the best in their class, and then they get sent on the mission, and then they, you know, gain an appreciation for themselves, even though one of them is kind of following the rule book and he's really skilled, but he's, you know, got the, uh, the, he talks shit, but he's got the skill to back it up. And then you've got Tom Cruise, who, you know, throws the rules away, and he is literally his character. He's a maverick. He doesn't give a fuck about anything except the emotional strength, and he's got this, like, plain savant-style thing. You've seen movies like this before, and I think one of the reasons that this has appealed to so many people is that Top Gun... It just plays like a sports movie. And it plays like a really well-directed sports movie. When you're seeing these plane sequences, in the first movie, it was pretty cool. You know, it's it's Top Gun. It's, it's regular planes and shit. In this one, the camera is so in the perspective of the cockpit. And you're seeing just, like, the wings slightly out of frame. Like, you're really in these people's heads. Hell, even the way that it's framed sometimes. Now that I'm making the Star Wars jokes, like, it does look a lot like a red leader. We got the gold two guy. Okay, let's go. Shooting from the front of the cockpit inside so you can see what's going on. And I don't know, man. The stuff they're able to pull off. And I guess the stuff that uh, you think is like just pure visual effects, which is not because they learned how to fly jets and they did all this crazy shit. Like Tom Cruise, if he can do a crazy thing in fucking real life, he will. So just the stuff that they're able to pull off. Like there's a shot of like where Tom Cruise is flying a plane upside down, hovering over another plane, and then there's, like, shots where he's, like, flying in between two fucking planes. It's just acrobatics. It's Tom Cruise stunning on the new kids. It's like watching fucking Space Jam or something. Like, watching Michael Jordan getting to go ham on uh, Looney Tunes playing basketball. Like, that type of shit to me is a lot of what this movie's about. And it has sort of like the emotional and character building stakes of something like that where even though you've got this list, they show you in the beginning of the movie, it's like 12 recruits, they're the top of their class, they're the biggest and baddest of all the flying people. I really only give a shit about two of them. And one of them is Miles Teller, who plays uh, Lieutenant Bradshaw, Bradley Bradshaw, who is... We learn in this movie, and I say we learn in this movie because if you're going to enter this cold, the movie does enough like last time on Top Gun Maverick explaining to you the emotional stakes of why uh, Tom Cruise gets all, you know, who never has a problem talking to anybody uh, now he clams up whenever he sees Miles Teller around. Uh, it's because his dad flew with Tom Cruise, Maverick. Tom Cruise. Does Tom Cruise even have character names anymore? Do we? Don't we just call him Tom Cruise at this point? Like I know his official name is Pete Mitchell or Maverick or whatever, but it really, in my mind, it's always Tom Cruise. There's no Ethan Hunt. It's just Tom fucking Cruise. Anyway, uh, Tom Cruise flew with this kid's dad in the first movie. 
And the first movie, there was like this big uh, accident in the sky. Guy died, lost his wingman, blah, blah, blah. And Tom Cruise is really shaken up and broken up by that. And so now that this new, uh, his son is in, trying to be part of this this elite Navy uh, air fighting crew where the mission involves something stupidly dangerous and absurd. It kind of presents itself like a Fast and the Furious style uh, mission. It's just absolutely insane. All the odds are against you. It kind of comes across like one of those levels in Super Mario Maker where you know they just put all the crazy obstacles in front of you just to see who's fucking nuts enough to try it and get through it. But of course, Tom fucking cruises. So that uh, knowing that this is a super dangerous mission, that's sort of where the apprehension is coming in Cruz's uh, performance where he's like, shit, you know, if this kid goes on this mission, like there's a good chance he's not coming back. And then I'm going to be responsible for both his dad and him. And it's like, fuck, that's a big emotional thingy that's going down. And then the other path, the other pilot you give a shit about is because of the pure magnetism of its actor. Hangman, I don't even know the guy's official name, but his, uh, his what is it, call sign? I guess that's what they call it. Call sign is Hangman, played by the indomitable force of charisma, Glenn Powell. Like, fuck me, man. Ever since everybody wants some, this guy is fucking ruled. Uh, he's flirted with Zoe Dutch. He's just been one of these rising stars that this movie really knew how to let Glenn Powell just go go and be a cocky son of a bitch but do it with a grin and makes a flight suit look fucking good i haven't seen devotion yet i don't know if that's gonna be a more of like a muted side of powell or a dramatic side but seeing powell exercise his rom-com skills and his everybody wants some style like goofy stoner mcconaughey-esque or a mcconaughey adjacent style of uh, performance that kind of stuff has been uh, just fun to see the variety, is what I'm saying. And uh, he, through a force of magnetism, owns every little inch of this screen. And he's the cocky guy to uh, Miles Teller's more like introverted, emotionally heart wrenched. You know, he's got a chip on his fucking shoulder, and the name is Maverick, you know, tile of emotion. And that's really it. There are other pilots in the movie like there's one who's played by lewis pullman his name is bob that's that's really just it i think he's only a he's only in the movie just so they can make a joke about his call sign uh there's the there's the east asian one there's the black one there's the woman who's named phoenix i think there's a bunch of just kind of white guys, and that's that's it. I mean, the only people that get call signs are the people who's like have big names, like John Hamm, who's playing like Admiral like hard ass. There's the Admiral hardest ass, who's played by Ed Harris, who has it out for Maverick. But then there's Admiral hard ass who's just fighting Mavericks. You know, Maverick's the teacher in this one, and he has to go up against this admiral who wants to do it by the rule book. And at one point, fucking Tom Cruise, literally, I tell you this, literally 
If you don't know the definition of literally, look it up in the dictionary. I am actually, literally telling you this. Literally throws out the rule book. The metaphor is so blatant. It's just... I can't really hate on him for doing it. It's one of the funniest parts of the screenplay, in my opinion. But, yeah. He literally throws out the rule book at one point. He says, fuck this. The way that you've memorized the rules, you've memorized this plane, but I'm going to teach you how to fucking feel the plane. And, you know, it's like that episode of SpongeBob where he's doing, uh, what is it? He's learning art lessons from Squidward. And he's got, I've got to lick the marble. I've got to date the marble. I've got to be the marble. If you took that with 100% sincerity... That is Tom Cruise in Top Gun Maverick. Likely that's Tom Cruise just in real life, but it's definitely uh, Pete Mitchell in uh, Top Gun Maverick. But yeah, there's like 12 of these fucking recruits, and none of them are given any kind of like character work. Like, There's a couple of them that just have more scenes with the important characters, so there will be like a moment where Miles Teller is being tested and it just so happens that Phoenix and Bob are the ones that are in the scene talking to him. And because of that, they're the ones that stay in the movie longer just because they've had actual more speaking lines of dialogue. I think the, what is it, Danny Ramirez is in here? I remember his call sign. is His call sign's fanboy. But I couldn't tell you anything about him other than he exists and he speaks at some point. It's really kind of what the movie is. And unlike a soap opera, at least the supporting characters in soap operas have, like, stupid shit and crazy shit to do. In this one, it literally just is like, all right, well, we're just going to not have Miles Teller talk to himself about his problems. So we're going to have other people throw those ideas and challenges at him. They are merely vessels for this to work. And that's kind of where the weakest part of Top Gun Maverick is, is that a lot of this just plays like a soap opera. It plays like a video game half the fucking time. These cutscenes are ridiculous. I kind of want to skip them. And because of that, I have no... By the way, if I'm going to indulge my Oscar at some point, I have no idea how this got an adapted screenplay nomination. It's fucking absurd to me, but I'm just going to jump off of that. Where this movie works is, in my mind, two words. Claudio Miranda... The cinematographer for this, who's worked with Kaczynski on everything that he's done. He's worked with Ang Lee on Life of Pi. This fucking dude just blows the cinematography out of the water. Like The way that this guy shoots planes and motion, it feels like... I guess my Star Wars comparisons are here because it genuinely feels like some point that Tom Cruise is just fucking around in space and it captures just the physical, I, I guess the, the brain-breaking phenomena of moving yourself as a human being that fucking fast that you're defying all understood laws of physics as like, uh, you know, as a defiant species, we hurdle ourselves in metal triangles across the earth. 
and the glory of like getting one step closer to like brushing the hand of God. You know, that type of shit is what Miranda's able to pull off with the cinematography. I just I am blown away every time of how fucking cool it is to watch planes fly. The beginning of the movie I think is so good that it almost blows its load, but just the way that he's able to just get these glow of the sun like there's this it really genuinely feels like at any moment jesus is just gonna like come down and bestow upon tom cruise an even faster jet and that fucking rules it just fucking rules that's really as simple as it can be that if you like things that go voom, 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 super fast that's what it is you know the preparation uh the detail that goes into these planes and you know it is in essence i know a lot of people talk about this movie um and mention kind of the pro-war aspect to it the sort of military industrial complex that's going on with it i i cannot take any real type of like it's not even a grain of salt at this point. It's more like there's no way I'm believing that any... They don't even mention the country that they're going into to fuck shit up. It genuinely just comes across like a video game. You've got an obstacle. This thing is here. This thing is bad. We need to blow up thing. The way we blow up thing is by going through this cavern. And if you fuck up in this cavern, you die. If you try to run away while you're in this cavern, you fucking die. It has the emotional and political understanding, like I said, of a fucking Super Mario Brothers level. And that's really all I need to approach it. I, I don't care. It, it has as much... Like, Call of Duty has more political underpinnings and understandings than Top Gun Maverick has. Because that's not the fucking point. The point is just to test limitations. Like, that's really all Tom Cruise movies are at this point, is just what is the limitation of the human body, mind, and spirit, and how are we going to go even further? He's like the real-life version of Goku, for God's sake. But, yeah, that's what we're doing. And through the explorations of the human limitation, there's where Top Gun Maverick really goes in for Cruise, where... He's, his character is getting older. He's been in the Navy for like 30 plus years at this point. And a lot of the more important stuff is asking like, dude, you cannot do this forever. Even you, who is as badass as you are, know you cannot do this forever. So how do you accept the next portion of your life gracefully? You think about, it's uh, basically Pete Mitchell's midlife crisis. And that stuff whenever Cruz is acting in it, I really did like. I like his performance. Whenever he's uh, trying... Uh, uh, whenever he's trying not to let his guilt get to him about events that happened in the first movie and just the real... You know, Tom Cruise makes everything else look easy, right? Like, he'll be running in a forest away from, like, a plane that's fucking shooting at him. Or he'll be riding a motorcycle at ridiculous speeds and weaving back and forth. But he does it with this boyish, shit-eating grin. Like, he always does it cool as a cucumber. And yet, there are moments in this movie when he's forced to deal with some real emotional shit that it looks like it's physically difficult for him not to break down 
Like he's pulling off the actual strain in his face. And to see that from Tom Cruise and by proxy Pete Mitchell is something that just works knowing that like even a weird we think that Scientology made him a vampire Cruise can bleed. You know, even this guy feels the strain. And that's what's interesting to see. There are other parts of the first movie that come creeping back into this too. And those revisitings, especially via the lens of time and age and, yes, death, are the parts of the movie that just, I I think, really work. It kind of, for lack of a better word, and forgive the pun, grounds this thing for a movie that is so willing to test the limits. And I guess the idea is, like, how do you balance the spirit of testing limits and going further and evolving as a person and a species and just out of sheer fucking boredom of being on this earth, how does that balance with the reality that we all are going to stop one day? And what uh, do you want to... How do you want to characterize your life when those limits that you've been breaking can no longer be broken further. That kind of stuff is cool. It's where stuff like uh, the underwritten romance between Tom Cruise and Jennifer Connelly, which, Jesus Christ, you want to talk about a gorgeous couple. Motherfucker. Jennifer Connelly is a goddamn goddess. Holy shit, man. Uh, by the way, shout out to uh, I'm gonna do the production design. I'm gonna give a production design a shout out real quick. Let me scroll down. Imdaba baby, do 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 There's a guy in this Imdaba who's credited as Big Roy. Interesting. Do 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 Production designed by Jeremy Hindle. Shout out to you because I like this bar that Jennifer Connelly owns. It's on this island. It. They do it on the island, like next to the navy or whatever the hell, and it's where all the uh, all the air the naval people go to fucking drink shit. I really like the look of this bar. It's one of those bars that like just a giant round bar in the middle, like some tables around, and just something super cozy and warm and uh, inviting about it. Like as far as movie bars go, it's like a party. It, it's a real cool looking bar like i would i would want to see like uh you know i'd want to go and hang out there but she has this gimmick with the fucking uh cowbell that's fucking badass and it never stops being funny uh let's see here who did the score lauren balf did the score not really had a lot to say about that one uh there's a song at the end by lady gaga that's just like it's fine. It's it's just a fucking song. Like really, all all that stuff is like for like best original song. If we can indulge Oscar talk again, best original song and shit like that. It's always just a music that like it's an award that for the most part just goes to the biggest star on the list. And uh, I'm hoping this year it goes to Not Too Not Too just because that song is so fucking infectious. But uh, from RRR. But yeah, this is another like, oh, it's a fucking end of movie ballad sung by a pop star, and that's what we do. So yeah, that's cool. Uh, I guess before I fully close, I do want to give my props to Miles Teller just because I think Teller has this cool way of doing a little bit of what uh, 
Tom Cruise, uh, not not what Tom Cruise does. Let me do. He's more like on his whiplash thing. Whenever he's indignant, knows that he's on the lower end, like he's an underdog, but still has this like fuck you mentality in him. I really like the uh, Teller when he's got a chip on his shoulder. And he hasn't been this good in a while. Cocky Teller is fun, like in a goofy comedy like 21 and Over. But Teller with a chip on his shoulder is always cool to watch. And I like him in this too. He's also rocking a bitchin' mustache. And, of course, now the very memed football scene, which I thought was going to go on a lot longer based on the memes that y'all fuckers made about it. But it's kind of short for me. Uh, He does this weird, like, gyration dance thing that's that that's cool I, I like it quite a bit good 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 for you teller i also mentioned this because i remember walking out of 21 and over seeing miles teller in the lineup being like you know what that guy's got something i fucking like that guy he's gonna be a star one day and then whiplash came out and i was like fuck yeah and then he didn't really do a lot of great shit like he did war dogs which i really like but that one didn't blow him up as much as it should have. But then now I think with Top Gun, Miles Teller is back on top, baby. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I called uh, Miles Teller before all you fuckers did. Uh, so I'm gonna get sh- give him a shout out, and then the way I'm gonna end this is by talking about the last like 30 minutes of this movie, 30 40 minutes of this movie, which is fucking nuts. The whole movie sets up this, like, Death Star trench run, and you see the Death Star trench run, and, of course, there are, like, problems that arise because, of course, you have to have dramatic tension and shit. But then there's, like, an extra part that's tacked onto it that was not expected that just makes the movie so much more, like... It's like, this is going to be a weird metaphor. It's like when you're making a sandwich and then you just decide to go for broke. Like you reach inside the pack of the fucking turkey and you you thought you were going to pull two slices, but instead you pulled out six. And you're looking at this like thing of protein that is just absolutely absurd of a sandwich. And you know, looked at yourself and you go, you know what, fuck it. We're going to put that in there. We're going to still put all the toppings that I was originally going to put on there. The fucking tomato, the lettuce. We're going to cut top it off with some spice mayonnaise and we're just gonna wrap all this shit together like three different types of cheese and fuck it we're gonna take one big gigantic absurd bite of it and that's what Top Gun does it does not stop it does not it just goes for broke and the emotional peaks and valleys like they are peaks and valleys they're entirely predictable that's not the point it's just the sincerity and the detail and just the sheer spirit spectacle of it if i can borrow the way that scorsese goes spectacle pronounces all of it that to me is what fucking top gun is about it's just spectacle and power and things going vroom vroom and fast and fuck yeah not even fuck yeah america it's fuck yeah we are humans we strap ourselves in metal triangles hurrah launch ourselves into the sun Glory, glory, hallelujah. But yeah, that's uh, that's Top Gun Maverick. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Uh, thank you, friends, for listening to another bombastic, vivacious episode of the movies. For listening. By the way, if you want to watch Top Gun Maverick, 
It is on Paramount Plus. It's available to own. I guess it's on Blu-ray and home video. I got it on Redbox. I think Redbox, by the way, is doing Top Gun as like a $2 deal instead of a $2.25. So you could just rent the Blu-ray for 2 bucks and have that as your nighttime watch. And I think it's definitely worth a watch, especially if you've got a bitchin' sound bar. The sound work on that thing is really good. If you've got a good TV, definitely worth going to see. I don't know if it's playing in many theaters near me. That's kind of the problem with these Oscar things is that they get back in the theaters, but they get back in for like the 65 plus crowd who have nothing to do in the middle of the week or in the afternoon or late as balls when only degenerates like myself would go see a movie. I ended up seeing this with Redbox at home and I thought it worked out just fucking fine. Uh, get yourself some wings and fries and have yourself a good old time. But yeah, uh, thank you for listening to another episode of The Movies. That's going to be another Best Picture nominee knocked down. I've got six more to go. I don't really know which movie I'm going to do next. I think it's going to end up being Elvis or All Quiet on the Western Front. I'm going to do all of them, but one of those is going to be the very next one after, I guess, another review of a movie called The Outwaters, which has come out this week that I got a screener for, so I'm going to do a review for that. But yeah, if you want to follow me, you could do so at the movies underscore pod on Twitter. I am also on Instagram at the movies pod and Letterboxd. Uh, all those links in the description below. I guess the last thing I'm going to say before I head out of here and give you the song thing. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, would you be able to do me a solid and just rate the podcast and review it? I want to hear reviews of this shit. I will read them. If I get the reviews, I will read them on next episodes. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, rate and review, please. Thank you very much. And the way I'm going to close this out is with a song that called me the fuck out. I woke up today and Haley Williams chose violence. She wrote a song on Paramore's This Is Why album, which came out today, called Running Out of Time, and it is calling me the fuck out, boy. And I have never so, like, angrily pouted while shaking my booty because I knew that I was absolutely being called the fuck out for constantly being late, even though she's calling herself out for doing the same thing. Yeah, this is one of my favorite songs off of Paranormal's new album, This Is Why, and it is called Running Out of Time. Till next time, my friends. Take care. Intentions only get you so far. What if I'm just a selfish prick? No. Traffic spilled my coffee, crashed my car otherwise Would've been here on time